You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. How does LSD fit into the program? I know you mentioned LSD a few minutes ago. One of my recent papers is called, I think it's called LSD Experiments by the U.S. Army. And it's a detailed history of, so the Army, the Air Force, the Navy, and the CIA all did LSD experiments. And these included under MKUltra and related programs. And basically what they were doing is trying to figure out if LSD could be used in interrogations to soften somebody up so that they would give you information. And some of the experiments, this is in the documents, very in detail, they explicitly say that they were trying to either erase memories or implant false memories. And the 1975 general counsel for the U.S. Army at a Senate committee hearing released a list of about 125 different compounds that the Army had tested for mind control purposes. So there many different compounds, including BZ, letter B, letter Z, which was a kind of super LSD that put you on an acid trip. The, the movie Jacob's Ladder opens with a combat scene in Vietnam, and the soldiers are like completely tripped out and just looking around and completely disoriented. And in the course of the movie, it comes up that they had been dosed with BZ, which is a fictional movie, but has been out in the public domain for many decades. Well, LSD is only the tip of the iceberg. We asked some of the survivors if they had questions that they would like us to discuss with you. Gemma, I'll let you ask the first one. Okay. And before I do this, I want both Dr. Ross and our listeners to know that the reason Shane and I began to look into the MKUltra facet of this is because of Jean Wayner, who is Jane Doe. And Dr. Ross, you saw her almost uh, the whole episode two. Of her did, talking yeah. about yeah, what happened to her. So she is the one that really started us thinking in that direction. And I know she's listening to every word you have to say because she and the women that sent me questions, they really do believe they were programmed. And they believe right now, at least one of them, that Dr. Christian Richter, who was the gynecologist that Maskell took girls to for surgical procedures that in a Catholic hospital would have been illegal. They were billed as DNCs, but they turned out to be abortions. One of the women has told us that he trafficked her to, excuse me, NASA 
in Alabama and to a hospital in Boston where he demonstrated a shock box that he had invented. She was eight years old, and this continued until she was 14. Her parents were compensated. Now, she came from a really dysfunctional family, but her parents were compensated, and they moved to Alabama for the six years that Richter, and she calls it her team of handlers, were working with her. She totally believes this happened. And so I have questions from the women that we know from Keogh. The first one says, when I was in my 20s, I was missing large gaps in my personal history. I could not remember whole years. I thought it was due to trauma. I was sent to a ritual abuse doctor in the 90s. He agreed I was ritually sexually abused. Nobody could help me. I used to get waves of feelings of wanting to kill myself. I could not recognize my own hand if I was laying in bed. I thought I had killed somebody. I felt guilt. Then I was taught that fake memories could have been implanted with fake pictures. Is this what false memory syndrome is? That's a little complicated, but I can answer. So she's describing amnesia, which is one of the main association symptoms. And then not recognizing your own hand, that's depersonalization, which is another one of the main dissociation symptoms. So there's definitely a bunch of dissociation going on. And it's not just a few little blips because she's missing a couple of years there. And if she gets these waves of feelings, which are obviously coming from inside her somewhere, it's not just that she is going, oh, my life is bad. I think I might kill myself. It's intruding into her as a wave that feels like it's not coming from her, which it obviously is. It's intruding from somewhere else in her mind. Therefore, it's been dissociated or disconnected. So she also has dissociated, disconnected feelings and impulses. So that's a fairly complex amount of dissociation going on. The false memory syndromes, it just is what it says. You have a bunch of memories and they're false. They never happened. What are the possible causes of false memory syndrome? One could just be normal memory error. Another could be you went to, this is the the false memory syndrome foundation says, you go see a therapist and the therapist asks you all these leading suggestive questions and reinforces the idea that you have separate people inside and you end up with a, it's called a iatrogenic, meaning created by the therapist or the doctor. So you end up creating this DID just to cooperate with a therapist or the doctor. You believe it's real. You believe the memories are real, but they've just been suggested to you by leading questions, and then your mind has built a picture. That's usually how they describe false memory syndrome. But another way that false memories could be created is on purpose to cover up either abuse or a military or intelligence program. This is all psychologically possible, but obviously I can't prove it or disprove it. Now, she was, I should have said this, but she was sexually abused by... Father Joseph Maskell, who was the chaplain at our high school, as as well as some other men who he hypnotized her, he drugged her with some liquid, and other men paid to come in actually into the school building. He had a fire door at the back of his office, and she remembers pieces of being abused by other men. She has, for most of her life, she was not able to even talk about this. And it's only been in the last few years 
that she's been able to articulate what happened to her. And she really believes that she was programmed so that right. if she talked about it, she would kill herself. Is that so I, a possibility? I, yes. And I'll talk about programming here for a second. But okay. just to back up a step. So what she's describing is an organized pedophile ring. So we know for absolute fact that child pornography is like a billion-dollar industry in the United States. The perpetrator rings of 60, 78 busted. It's in the news. They have all the videos, email traffic. So it's a fact that organized pedophile rings are numerous and lots and lots of money spent on them and some unknown huge number of children have been abused. Not five, not ten, not a couple hundred. It's either thousands or tens of thousands or possibly millions of children. It's a big number. Absolute fact, FBI would say, yes, that's true. So if we forget the MKUltra and the LSD part of it, and we just listen collectively to all the women who've testified or talked to you, there's clearly more than one priest involved. So the the only options are it's all false memories, 100%, or multiple priests were involved. Obviously, I think multiple priests were involved. So that is already 100% guaranteed a pedophile ring. Now the question becomes, okay, so we've got an institution, church, that's done this massive cover-up, denial, stalling. And we've got the priests in who are being transferred around, the same story we hear all the time, and Father Baskell is just another example. They don't discipline them. They don't kick them out. They transfer them around. They cover them up. They won't release any of the documents. And then when we hear the accounts from the women, it's this really twisted, contorted mixture of God, love, the church, sexual abuse. It's your fault. You're a slut. You're a whore. I'm the good guy. God wants you to do this for me. It's so distorted and twisted and mixed up. But we think People like that would not be involved in a more organized outside ring and would never stoop to bringing a few of the guys in. Why would anybody think that? So it's completely plausible. In terms of the CIA, the military, the government, NASA being involved, again, I can't prove it. Nobody can disprove it. But all these elements of programming, that is hypnosis, drugs, memorization expert exercises, codes being implanted are described in the CIA documents in great detail. So they would hypnotize somebody who's a, sometimes just a secretary in the CIA who's a good hypnotic subject. They hypnotize her. They implant a code, which could be a tone on the telephone, could be a hand signal, could be a series of numbers. And then she comes comes out of hypnosis, she's carrying on with her day, and somebody does the tone, hand signal, or says the code. She switches into her hypnotized state. She goes and retrieves some documents or hands off what she thinks is a bomb, or in one case, pulls the trigger on what she thinks is a loaded gun to kill a military officer that she knows. Mm. Of course, it was all not real bullets. So all these things are described in great detail in the CIA documents. They actually happened for sure. And so those kind of things went on. So it's plausible, it's possible, and hypnosis played a big role in all of this in MKUltra. There's nothing about it that's impossible 
or that doesn't exactly fit other experiments and other projects that are actually done for sure document. Is it possible for a post-hypnotic suggestion to last for 50 years? The skeptics will say no, but how do they know? Yeah, so, sure it never, yeah, it never happened to them. But post-hypnotic suggestions are like completely validated in the hypnosis literature. There's no question mm-hmm. about that. And they can last, it sounds like months to years in the, uh, so this is, now we're getting into Manchurian candidates. So that's somebody who had uh, multiple personality created experimentally by the military or the CIA. They have implanted codes and signals. And those codes and signals are used to switch them into their programmed identity to carry out whatever mission. And so the intervals are not exactly stated in the documents, but it seems it's at least months and maybe years. So this is what the CIA and the military say, that it can last at least months or years. Another question another survivor asked is, Priest Joseph Maskell used many tricks on me. He thought I was asleep. Another man was in the room, and I heard the words truth serum. I thought, I'm screwed now. What would truth serum do? Truth serum is usually used for sodium amytal. So there's a whole sodium amytal literature. It was used by psychiatrists, and it's a barbiturate medication that you can give IV. And so in the Second World War, there were soldiers who went into fugue states. That is, they're wandering around behind the main front, they're lost, they don't know who they are, and they're given sodium amytal, which basically is just like getting them drunk. It just gets you stoned. If you get too stoned, you actually fall asleep, and it releases your inhibitions, and all of a sudden, your identity comes back. And it's been used some up until the 80s, faded out for one reason, because insurance companies wouldn't pay for it. But it can be, it's very useful in contemporary psychiatry when somebody's catatonic, that is, they're totally frozen, they're not moving, they're not eating, they're not drinking. One of the things you can do is give them Valium-type drug or sodium amytal, and they just come out of it, which I did with one person back in Canada before I moved to the U.S. So she's just lying there, not speaking, not moving, not eating, not drinking. And I started IV, I did it myself, start an IV, in goes the sodium amytal. Within five minutes, she sits up, gives me a whole history, goes to the restroom, eats lunch, and never goes back into catatonia. So truth truth serum has many uses, but it's not actually truth serum. It just loosens you up, and so it may make you say things that are true, or it may just make you mixed up. Attention, friends. Are you ready to embark on a journey into the unknown this Mother's Day? Prepare to dive into the depths of your family's history with mylifeinabook.com. Each week, mylifeinabook.com sends intriguing questions, uncovering the thrilling tales of your mom's past, and then she can either type her response or use their voice-to-text feature. From daring escapes to nail-biting encounters, her life becomes an epic adventure waiting to be explored. This Mother's Day, give the gift of excitement and intrigue with mylifeinabook.com. It's a thrilling ride through your mom's life that you won't want to miss. I gave this to my mom last year, and let's just say I didn't know my mom as well as I thought I did. Check out mylifeinabook.com and use code SHANE at checkout for 10% off.
Create an unforgettable gift for your mom this Mother's Day. That's mylifeinabook.com and use code Shane for 10% off today. I have another question. This is also from a survivor at PO. I was admitted to the hospital with anorexia. Now, this was when she was in high school. I would be in Maskell's office at school all day. I started passing out in the evening from not eating. I had to promise my family I would eat. I am now obese. I'm not anorexic. Back then, I was very thin. I think nobody thought to feed me. Could Maskell have tried to make me dependent on him even for food? Sure. Nothing surprising about that. Why would he not have given all the other twisted, bizarre, cruel, criminal things that he did? Why not try and use food? If you're going to use Jesus and God to control and manipulate people and use them for sexual activities, people equals children, why would you not use food? Another question from another survivor is, Maskell measured our pupils after my friend and I took a hit of something called four-way sunshine acid. Maskell asked me what I was seeing. My friend was just crawling around the room. I told Maskell I saw circles, triangles, squares, and I felt like I was falling from one to another. My question is, was this LSD pure or could it have been bought from a dealer on campus? I remember Maskell giving me a glass of milk and I said, look, you can see the little dog swimming in the milk. So basically, I don't know. Either is possible. And so this raises the whole question. What was he doing and why was he doing it? So one possible answer is he's just doing it for kicks. It's just one more weird thing he was doing. Another is he was seeing if it somehow could help him get better control or maybe the person wouldn't remember the abuse that happened when they're high on LSD. Or it could be that, again, he's connected to something a little more organized and it's part of some kind of mind control program, which is where the codes come up. Measuring the pupils was probably just LSD, if it was LSD, had taken effect. The next question actually goes back to something you said earlier, Dr. Ross. And again, I want our listeners to understand that we are reading these questions exactly the way they were sent to us. So if they sound a little convoluted or a little confused, it's because the person asking it is feeling that way. And this question is, I was given a numeric code. I was afraid this code would make me shoot someone. Maskell had a lot of guns. Maskell would have me watch films on an old movie reel. I remember hearing the projector machine. I could not remember the films, but how does a numeric code work? It's just one form of, like I was saying earlier, one form of post-hypnotic signal. So how likely is this to be a random coincidence that exactly what she's saying Maskell did is described exactly in CIA documents from 10-ish years earlier, that somebody was programmed, they were given a numeric code to switch them into their post-hypnotic identity, and one of the people thought that on command she was killing somebody. So it's exactly the same scenario. So these things have happened. So again, back to why would somebody who's that weird, that distorted, that sick, that organized a pedophile not do stuff like that? The next survivor's question starts out as his hypnosis started with a watch, then later no watch. I would just lay down and relax 
from my shoulders to my toes. Blank time would follow. Why can't I remember? The watch was this sort of standard thing in hypnosis, 50s, 60s, etc., which kind of gone out of fashion now. So that's interesting because it fits that time period. And it's, again, just basic standard hypnosis literature information that after somebody has been hypnotized a few times and they get the hang of it, either self-hypnosis or being hypnotized by another person, it gets easier to do. So then you don't need the watch anymore. Why would you not remember would be, nobody remembers everything about everything in their lives. What did I have for lunch two days before my 11th birthday? I've got the faintest idea. So it could just be normal forgetting, or it could be hypnotic commands programming that you are instructed not to remember. And it could just be that your mind is protecting you from that information because it's going to be too upsetting and why bother remembering now? And the answer to why bother remembering now is because you want to remember, but also maybe you don't because why would you, but you do. That's the dilemma back and forth. The next question is, again, from a survivor. She said her, she had a pediatrician in Baltimore. She was very young. She remembers going into a large room and her nose bleeding and her needing stitches. She remembers her mother being told that she shoved something up her nose, but she knows it wasn't true. Is there something else that could have happened to her to cause that problem with her nose? This was when, of course, it sounds like before she was in high school, but a number of our survivors were abused by Maskell in grade school because he was moved around the archdiocese often. And so the youngest one we know about was three, Mm. and it goes up from there to adults. But it's possible that this was somebody that was abused by him in her elementary school, is there something that would have happened to her that could have caused her nose to be bleeding? That's one I really can't answer. So first of all, it could just have been a spontaneous nosebleed. And the doctor might have said, oh, she must have put something up her nose just because doctors say stuff like that. And there could be nothing more to it than that. What else? It, there's no reason to go, oh, nosebleed equals sexual abuse or nosebleed mm-hmm. equals anything else. I don't really have a good answer to that one. The next question Starts out as, in my teens and 20s, I wore a bracelet in case I would forget my name. It was engraved with my name in the inside of it. When I was given LSD in school, I would keep myself calm with remembering things that I knew. I knew that I was a girl. I knew I had two legs. And I had to build my own confidence. Why couldn't I remember my name? Again, I don't know. But not being able to remember your name is a very well-documented, described feature of what's called a fugue state. So a fugue state is when you suddenly develop amnesia for your past, which can be total 100% amnesia or like 80-90% amnesia. You're found wandering somewhere. You don't even know who you are. And then at some point you pop out of it, which could be soon or after weeks or months. And you may pop out spontaneously or because... Like uh, I was involved in a case where the person was on the radio or on TV in one city in Canada because he didn't know who he was found and brought to the hospital and so on. And his wife in another city in Canada was watching the news program. Oh, that that's where he is. Called up. He came back or she went to visit him. When he saw her, all of a sudden he popped back to his normal self, but he didn't remember 
the period of the fugue, the period which was several weeks long. So that's a typical part of dissociative fugue, typical symptoms. So like I said with the war example, so people don't just go into these dissociative fugues because everything's fine. So it could be because they're in combat. It could be tied into sexual abuse. It could be tied into Maskell. It doesn't necessarily mean it was like controlled or engineered by Maskell. It's just a highly traumatized dissociative person who's spontaneously going in and out of these different states. So that's what I would say about that. And why couldn't you remember your name? That's just the way it goes with those states of mind. It's just so heartbreaking when you think about somebody having to wear a bracelet with their name on it. An intelligent person who's been taken advantage of has to wear a bracelet to identify themselves. It's just so hard to think about. Absolutely. And there's a few cases that was on TV some years ago where the woman had taken off several times and she actually ended up tattooing her name and phone number on her arm. Mm, So sad. Well, the next question has to do with drugs again. I was given LSD and mescaline. I don't even know if I'm saying that. Yeah, that's right. Mescaline. It It stripped me of all feeling. I was purely numb inside. So I had feelings to kill myself if I told anybody what was happening. Now I'm 62. I've told this too many times. I no longer get waves. Is this common in MK Ultra victims? Again, I can't exactly that because nobody's interviewed dozens and dozens of MKUltra or other mind control victims who've been given LSD and written a paper about it and here's what they found and here's what they saw. But in general, for abuse victims to have waves of feeling like they want to kill themselves and then with age or with therapy, it just settles down and fades out and doesn't happen anymore. That's common. The next survivor's question specifically deals with the CIA's program, specifically for MKUltra or MK Search. Would the CIA choose to use girls in those programs, or do you feel that Maskell could have been rogue, who just maybe he was someone who wanted to be in the CIA and a part of that program? Both are possible. So in the CIA documents, culture and related projects, it describes girls, but they're more like 19-year-old secretaries, not six-year-olds. So there's no documents describing sexual abuse or really complicated mind control experiments on young children. But G.H. Estabrooks, who was at Colgate College in Upper State, New York, described in great detail, the earliest was in 1943, and the last published time was in early 1970s. And I have in my files, which I got from Colgate College, correspondence back and forth between him and senior FBI people Correspondence back and forth over several decades between him and J. Edgar Hoover, that he's teaching use of hypnosis in military operations to personnel on army bases, that senior military people are coming to Colgate College to attend conferences, and that leading hypnosis experts cleared at top secret under MKUltra were connected to him, interacting with him, attending the same conferences. So, Mr. Brooks had a project in upstate New York. So I know for a fact he was interested in children. I know for a fact he created the Manchurian candidates on contract to the War Department in the Second World War, because I have the contract itself. I have the detailed descriptions of that in his writings. 
So I don't think he was like just interested in toenail fungus in children. He's obviously pursuing some kind of hypnosis, mentoring, candidate, brainwashing agenda with children, but we don't have any details about it at all. Then that conclusion is, yeah, these things are all realistically possible. That there could have been still classified CIA programs on sexual abuse programming of little girls. It's also totally possible he was just a rogue wannabe guy. The second part to their question, it's maybe the psychological type of question, but it starts out as, well, I remember what happened as I grew more comfortable with myself. Will I ever be able to get to a place where I don't feel like I was programmed? So if you were, in fact, programmed, why would you get want to get to a place where you feel like you weren't programmed if you were? Guess what the question really means is, will I get to a place where I'm not like tormented by it or constantly preoccupied with it or it's really taking up a lot of time and energy? That's possible, but in mental health, there's very few guarantees. That seems to be the question that comes up, the conversation that comes up very often because these women are in their 60s and they are desperate to feel normal and they don't. And the damage was done 50 years ago and they just, it's like they just are like thirsting for some kind of normalcy where will I ever get there? And the, old, the oldest person I've ever heard about, which was described to me by a therapist at a conference, was a person who started treatment for DID at age 80 and got mm -hmm. integrated at age 83. And what does that mean, integrated? All blended back into one person. So you're not hearing voices in your head. You're not having mm -hmm. periods of missing time. You remember what you remember. You feel like it all happened to you. So you're just basically all blended back into one person. I wanted to mention, Dr. Ross, before I ask the next question, is there was a psychiatrist that the Archdiocese of Baltimore had a contract with, and he traveled to different schools, and he was authorized to administer certain tests and to evaluate students. And he was very close friends with Joseph Maskell. And if you watch The Keepers, you may have remembered that a lot of documents were dug up in the cemetery. And, yeah, but we but had, now we, don't, we didn't get our hands on the documents. So. No, but we found a TV station that actually had a video of the documents. And a photographer worked with us and was able to enlarge and enhance and turn them into still photos. And we found that they were personality tests with a scale that would have been used to screen possible candidates for susceptibility, whether or not they trusted people. And Maskell was not authorized to give these, but the doctor who was on loan to the school was. His name, he died last year. His name was William Urban. And he certainly would have had access to that, those tests. And we have heard from like hundreds of alumni who said they were given that test in a classroom in their freshman year. And then depending on how they scored, they were called into his office and it was given to him again, given to them again. And we really feel urban and the, it was called the, I'm just going to say it, the psychology associates, a number of those psychiatrists also abused young girls. And we don't really understand what the connection was whether there was a connection with the government, but those doctors did have access 
the test that Maskell would not have been permitted to administer. And a lot of that was used for him to screen his prey. We do know that's what partly what was in the dig because we took the pictures that we had, sent it to the American Psychology Association, and they identified the tests for us. And those were definitely personality tests. Right. Published a book called Surviving Evil, which is a woman's story of being a victim of CI mind control experimentation at Vermont State Hospital. And she could compete with you guys in terms of how long she stayed with it, how many Freedom of Information Act requests, all the documents she gathered. And so in her medical record is the name Robert Hyde, who was a top secret cleared LSD contractor under MKUltra. And there's numerous other connections in MK Ultra from the doctors who are at the hospital. And this includes the uh, CIA program, all fully documented, and the name of the guy and the name of the psychological test, who was a CIA officer. And these tests were widely administered at schools and other locations in Vermont and throughout the United States. That's absolutely a fact. Now, are most of those, you said it was in her medical records, but... Are most of those documents, were they destroyed by the CIA when the program officially came to an end? That's the mythology. So you never know for what the real story is. But the mythology is that the head of the CIA in 1972-3 ordered the destruction of all the MKUltra documents. And somehow, through bureaucratic error, seven boxes of documents survived and were later by accident found in a storage warehouse. And those are all the MKUltra documents that we have. And are those declassified? Or yeah, they were, de- like- they were declassified in the 70s when all these Senate hearings were going on. We have a dozen researchers from, the, from our Keepers followers who are doing the research for us looking for connections. And so we do really well with crowdsourcing. But I- So two avenues I would go at. So Joyce Malecki, was, who's in the Keepers, was the, yes. or her relatives are was uh, murdered just a few days after Sister Kathy, right? Do you remember the location that her body was dumped? Yes, it was on an army base. Yeah, Fort Meade. So I'd investigate that as a non-random dumping site. We have submitted FOIA requests five years ago to get her files, and it's 4,000 pages. And Abby, who is my partner in crime, she did the paperwork and it's still listed as awaiting an analyst. Yeah, that's the the FBI, right? Yes. Yeah, that's in the keepers. I remember that. The family has been told nothing. Now, the autopsy and her body was taken to the hospital on the army base. Um, At the same time, because of Sister Kathy's murder, the Baltimore County Police Department And the FBI had a joint commission because somebody was telling the truth and they thought that the cases were connected. So our contacts in the police department for Baltimore County have been able to look at those files, but they can't copy anything or take anything. And we have had our senators try. The government's breaking the law right now, not giving us the files. For us to sue them would be ridiculous because that would take longer and money, which we don't have. And we are—we don't know what else to do. I don't have an answer for you on that, except that nobody can covers make, up. Nobody covers up nothing, right? Can you make something up? No. 
<laughs> what would you, what would you, we are like, we are determined to help that family. I just keep pounding on the same doors you've been pounding on. Local politicians, people with influence, mm-hmm. as far up the chain as you get in the FBI, federal government people, attorney general, who, whoever you can go. The attorney general in Maryland is now conducting a criminal investigation as Pennsylvania did right. to see if there should be a grand jury convened. And they've been wonderful. So well, I'm good. wondering if maybe that would be an avenue that we could pursue. So you guys have got more expertise than I do on all this. <laughs> it's a hard one, but I'm in this for the duration, so I'm not going anywhere. So this next question is, I was at Hopkins in 64. I was eight years old. I remember having a drug, liquid pink. They gave me an EEG. I did not like the man giving giving it to me. He had long hair and was Spanish looking. Have any others complained of this procedure? First of all, all kinds of kids get EEGs just in normal neurology because they might have seizures or something might be going on. So it could have just been something was going on, went to the family doctor. They said, oh, for better get a neurologist. The neurologist says, better do an EEG. And the liquid was just to relax you or was part of the EEG procedure. So it could be totally normal. On the other hand, I've had many patients describe complex mind control programming on in labs and military bases with doctors in white coats where EEG equipment was used. Do you know specifically how that would have how that would have happened? What would they be using the EEG for? The EEG measures your brain waves. So in normal just everyday medicine, you're trying to see if there's some abnormal brain waves that are causing the seizures or there's something you know specific wrong with your brain. In this more mind control programming kind of area, there's a guy at, who was funded by the CIA and various branches of the military, and he describes uh, mescaline and LSD both that we were talking about earlier. He would have a hole, a port in the person's skull, pour either LSD or mescaline into the person's brain and measure the effects on their EEG and publish those papers in journals. So it's all just tracking how the brain reacts to whatever it is you're doing to the person. The next question is, I was given LSD. I was tripping all night long in my room at my house. Maskell was on the phone with me asking what I was experiencing. The next day, he took me into his office. I saw a note on his desk written to somebody saying he had a girl who was on LSD and he wanted to see what she would do. Could he have been reporting back to somebody about us? So it's, it's the same answer, possibly. But my main point here is, so it's just, there's a note on his desk, he's writing to his, some other priest down the road or something. Mm-hmm. Or it could be he's reporting to somebody who's part of an organized pedophile ring, part of the military, part of the CIA. So my main point is, this is not just crazy, ridiculous, hysterical conspiracy theory by a bunch of women. This kind of stuff happens, did happen, has happened, is absolutely real. So I have copies of correspondence back and forth between different CIA officers talking about what's called Operation Midnight Climax, which was mostly in San Francisco, but a little bit in New York. And this guy, George White, who is a, basically a government officer in the Bureau of Narcotics, which is the precursor of the DEA, he they built a safe room 
I have the requisitions and everything for the safe room, the budget for the project. And there was a one-way mirror in there, and they hired prostitutes who would go out to bars, pick up guys, bring them back, dose them with LSD without their knowing, have sex with them, with the CIA officers watching through the one-way mirror. Absolute documented fact. And one documentary I watched some years ago, they actually found the building that was used to, for the safe house and the actual address and the street and everything in San Francisco. But in this letter, the one CIA officer was saying to the other one that it's a pretty complicated thing trying to create these Jekyll Hyde personalities. So what's going on there? Why is he saying it's difficult to create Jekyll Hyde personalities, which you can't do by picking a guy up at a bar and dosing him with LSD once? So clearly the Jekyll Hyde personalities would have to be the prostitutes, which would then mean that they were creating mentoring candidate prostitutes and testing them out in the field to see how they performed. And they were dosing the guys with LSD just so they would be all confused, mixed up, and discredited, couldn't tell anybody. So that's stuff that actually happened. And those are the possibilities that follow logically based on documentation because we know there was Manchurian candidate experiments. We know the CIA was interested in that. So again, it's not crazy conspiracy theory at all. And so it's perfectly possible that Maskell was reporting back to somebody and they were recruiting dissociated children for their own uses. But do I know for a fact? No, I don't. No, we understand that. Yeah, the last question we have for you is actually about the drugs. What is the duration from ingestion of LSD to onset? And this came from a survivor who actually is a psychotherapist, so she's got 10,000 questions in here. (laughs) How, How long do the effects last? Are there different effects for each individual? Is it a substance akin to Ambien? I don't know what that is. In terms uh, Am- of- Ambien's a sleep medication, okay. commonly prescribed sleep medication. Okay. Totally different class of drug from LSD. Okay. And what would be the most common mode of delivery at that time in terms of LSD? Pills, liquid, paper, what would, it, what would have been used? Probably liquid paper, just like was being used on the street. Sugar cubes, liquid. Uh, so if, if somebody took it, how long would it take before it took effect? The first question is... Was it LSD that you actually got, which we don't mm-hmm. know for sure, because there's many different hallucinogens. But ballparkish typical thing for LSD is it's 20, 30 minutes. Maybe you're really into the trip by 40, 50 minutes. And it lasts six to eight hours, maybe up to 10 hours, but you're pretty much out of it by 10 hours. That's like the typical time frame. It can vary from person to person, but it never lasts unless you take a very weak dose. If you take a full street dose, never lasts for just one hour and it doesn't last for three days keep at it you guys have done an amazing job against a very big mountain of resistance and none of it emotionally easy for you guys so i greatly admire your sticking with it how you've pieced it all together and hopefully if you keep at it something will happen sometime it's a little bit more definitive i really believe that you're sharing with us today what you did is going to answer a lot of questions for people who uh, were in this situation and maybe give them some closure or relief, although it was terrible and they're still suffering from it. But 
at least maybe they understand it better. I'm glad if I can help the tiniest bit. The final question I have for you, Dr. Ross, from everything that I've heard you talk about when it comes to the MKUltra program and the CIA, I know that you mentioned to us earlier today that you finished watching this, The Keepers. From the information that you gathered from there, as well as the information about Father Maskell and his involvement with Johns Hopkins and the abuse that he was putting on all of these people, Gemma and I are trying to come up with an answer on, could Maskell have been a part of this program? Could the work he was doing have been a benefit of this program? Because, of course, there's a few things that don't exactly fall in line with just a plain, and I hate saying a plain, pedophile ring. In, in your opinion, after watching The Keepers, do you think that this could be a possibility? Could he have been involved with the CIA program? Definitely. We know the CIA and the FBI have a cult watch and a cult watch list, and they keep track of all kinds of potential terrorists and potential this, that, and the other people of all different races and all different ideologies. So we know that they monitor all the time. We know there was an operation called Cointel Pro, which was infiltrating student union organizations back in the 60s. We know that from documents that they had a large mail intercept program where they're intercepting people's mail, opening it, reading it, resealing it, sending it on. Um, so there's tons and tons of surveillance. We know that for a fact. So the possibilities, possibilities would be it had nothing to do with anything except Maskell and a few other guys. Another would be it was actually organized by some outside entity or in between that the outside entity knew what was going on. They weren't running it. They weren't paying for it, but they were just observing it, watching, getting him to port back for their interests. All those are realistic possibilities. Yeah, we feel like Sister Kathy knew too much and she was collateral damage. They couldn't afford to have her around because she was the one that was willing to do something about what was happening. And unfortunately, that put her in jeopardy. So, Another say- possibility is that Joyce was basically a misdirection, that she was killed to make it look like there was either a serial killer or a bunch of random killings going on. And just like Joyce, Kathy was one too. That's another possibility. Yeah. We so appreciate your time and that you sat through seven hours of (laughs) what I'm, even in your field, I'm sure it's not easy to see that, but um, thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. You're most welcome. Thank you. Thank you.
need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.